0: Welcome to the Keystone Church podcast. Keystone Church exists to lead people towards a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. We hope that this message will encourage you and inspire you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy this week's message from Pastor Lauren Foster. We're in week two of a series that we titled, In the Waiting. And if you happened to join us last week, we started this journey evaluating and observing the life of Paul as he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi where he was in a waiting season where Paul was literally waiting to die. And we were reading how this church planner, pastor, evangelist in the midst of one of the most difficult seasons of his life He was unwilling to let the circumstances around him dictate what God wanted to do on the inside of him. And so I want to continue this theme, this subject, this talking point of joy here this weekend. And I want to get extremely practical and talk through the subject of joy's focus. In fact, we learned last week that true joy, it's found in Christ. He is where we find our everlasting this deep joy that doesn't run out. And we also recognized and found that joy is a choice. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again, rejoice. Joy, it can't be contained. It has to be expressed. And I'm going to tell you that now more than ever, our world needs joy. So as Christ followers, when we are filled with a joy that only Jesus can bring, what it does is is it affects those around us because it's not just for ourselves. As people see us live our life filled with joy, it can't help but change the lives of others around us. And I'll be honest, sometimes the church, we don't do the greatest job at cultivating joy. In fact, church signs, if you were to drive past and read some, they almost communicate the opposite message when it comes to joy. Here are a few that I found fairly interesting. See what you think. This first sign, it says this, don't let worries kill you, let the church help. I don't know why, but I think that's funny. Maybe some of you, you could absolutely relate to that perspective, even though I don't think that's what they were wanting to communicate. How about this next one? At Jesus' way, take the right turn. Others go to hell. (laughs) What a great way to spread the love of Christ. Hell's hot. You don't want to go there. All right, moving on. This one I especially enjoyed. Come here, our pastor. He's not very good, but he's quick. (laughs) come to our church. You won't like anything the pastor has to say, but don't worry, it's going to be over soon. And this last sign, free beer. Just kidding, free Jesus on Sunday. (laughs) Some of you, you want to visit that church right now. Anyways, the perspective, despite what we may have observed over the years, In church, when it comes to our joy, I'm completely convinced that Paul had joy as his focus, which means we can too. Paul's writing this in prison on death row. Any day could be his last day. And as a believer, I hope you realize this, but our joy, it can actually be a weapon. It can be something that gives us power in our life that I don't think we can ever underestimate the power of joy. Because it's absolutely contagious. In fact, I want to brag on a member here this weekend, Fred Sincala. Before we went into quarantine, if you walked through the doors of our church, Fred is on our greeting team and he would greet you with a smile and a hug every weekend. That you just You looked forward to it because you couldn't help being around Fred and not sensing the joy that was on the inside of him. And even if you think back before the world went into hibernation, when you were at your your office, wherever you worked, you'd come in and there'd be some people that you couldn't wait to get around because of the joy or the way that they lived, the life-giving spirit that they had. And there's others you wanted to completely avoid. We could even use the same example in our family where we wanted to be around certain people and then others, well... That's another conversation, another topic for another day, but you get the point. Can I just encourage you with something? And I hope that we all remember this, that joy can overcome your bad day. It can overcome your bad week. It can also overcome a bad year. Joy can win in 2020. And if you and I, if we don't choose joy, if we don't make the joy choice, I'm just reminding you that culture would be happy to choose something to go in its place. Anxiety, depression, frustration, loneliness. If you go ahead and turn the news on, tell me how much joy you're going to find. And what I'm recognizing is that this space that I'm describing in and through our lives can only be filled and satisfied with the joy that the Spirit of God can bring. Remember, we learned this last week, joy is deep. Happiness is shallow, but joy runs deep in and through our life and can anchor us regardless of what circumstances that we're walking through. Philippians chapter 3, this is where we're going to be studying the majority the text through these scriptures were paul's writing starting in verse 1 it says whatever happens my dear brothers and sisters rejoice in the lord i never get tired of telling you these things and i do it to safeguard your faith what we see here is paul he's painting this dynamic picture of what it means to have joy as our focus And I love the idea that he communicates in this passage in the gospel of being reminded to consistently have a pattern where we're bringing our mind back to the word of God. In fact, when you read through many of Paul's writings, he talks about the mind. There's this battlefield in our mind that we have to renew our mind. We have to bring our thoughts back to the word. And I think that often in our life, we sometimes we're looking for the latest and the greatest teaching, something to get us really excited. And what I love about the opening passage in this chapter in Philippians is that Paul is saying that there's nothing wrong with returning to the simple ideas of Christianity over and over again. Because why? Because he said it here, they'll safeguard our faith. And to be honest, over the years, I know there's been seasons in my own life where I have gotten bored with the simplicity of the gospel. And it reassures and brings confidence to my faith when I hear Paul saying, don't feel bad about going back and renewing your focus on some of these same basic principles again and again. Because oftentimes the simplest principles in our faith are the most difficult to master. I told you earlier that we have been married, Lauren and I, for 17 years. And so you could say that some of the simplest principles when it comes to loving your spouse are found throughout Scripture, which is very true. But in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You could read that Scripture and think, I know what it means to love my wife. Yeah, I've loved her for years and years. But when you really think about what that passage is describing, loving your wife, husbands, the way Christ loved the church, it means sacrificing yourself, your own wants, your own desires, literally crucifying your will, laying it down for the good of your wife. Now when you read that scripture and you hear, oh yeah, just love your wife as Christ loved the church. You recognize the same way I do that I've been married for 17 years and many days it feels like I'm barely scratching the surface. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And these are simple principles. And Paul is saying, if you want to keep joy at your focus, you have to go back to the simplicity of the gospel and remember that when we do, it's going to safeguard Our faith. Don't be discouraged when we go back to the simple principles. Why? Why does it matter? Because throughout Philippians, Paul mentions through scriptures threats that can actually kill our joy. And we're going to look at them here this morning Philippians 3 18 and 19. It says, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. You could write this down if you're taking notes. These are joy killers. It's easy to slip into a lifestyle that's aimed in this direction. Very quickly, I'm going to move through some of these, but it's great to be able to write some of these down and acknowledge what could come up as a threat to our joy in our life. The first one is this being unaware of the benefits of the cross. Just simply being unaware of the benefits of the cross. In fact, maybe you've heard of Christ, you've been around church, you've even contemplated what this whole faith journey looks like, but you never have truly embraced what Christ has to offer. Maybe maybe that you've lived for God at some point in your life, but now you see Paul is painting this picture that it's very easy to become world-dependent rather than God-dependent. And it's just saying, hey, you know one way that can kill your joy, it's by trying to lean on everything in the world instead of Christ. It's living in such a way where you don't even recognize the power that the cross actually holds. Another joy killer in our life is that we can become addicted to pleasure. I even wrote it down like this. We can become addicted to distraction Because for whatever reason, in our culture today, the mindset is simply, hey, take my mind off of my reality. Help me to escape. Help me to go somewhere different than what I'm actually living today. When it says in the scripture, don't let your stomach, your appetites become the thing that actually rules you and leads you where their God is their stomach their their glory is in the shame one particular theologian said it like this what it means is that their only real concern is for what their body desires it's that my life is about me and me alone the focus is just the person that I'm pointing at day by day week by week it can kill your joy we're going to see as well this last point an earthly mindset it says at the end of this scripture, their mind is set on earthly things. What does this refer to? Well, in the Greek, it denotes one's inward disposition, state of mind and attitude that has no eternal quality or value. What it means is it's slipping into this pattern day by day, week by week. It's the same old routine and we narrow our focus down to right what is right in front of us rather than looking at something that's more eternal. And we end up asking this question, there has to be more to life than this, right? If not, I just fall into the same routine day by day, week by week. I can't seem to escape it. And I'm searching for something to replace where joy should be taking up residence in my life. Paul actually gave the same warning in another book that he wrote before Philippians in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In Romans 8, 6, it says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life, and peace. What's the key to having joy as our focus? You can write this down. It's going to anchor what we're going to talk through over the next few minutes is to be eternally minded. You want to know how to keep joy as a focus in your life? We have to become eternally minded with the way that we live. And I want to show you some practical and developmental next steps on how to be eternally minded and ultimately how to keep joy as a focus in our life. We're going to go verse by verse here and read through what Paul wrote in Philippians. But the first point is this. You can write it down. Number one, to see God's redemption from my yesterday. Seeing God's redemption from my yesterday. Let's read this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7-7. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What Paul is communicating in this point of very simply seeing God's redemption from my yesterday is that Paul had a lot of baggage. He had a lot of things in his life that could have trapped him in a season of regret While he was waiting to die. But he refused to let this baggage dictate the way that he lived. And I actually think that sometimes we can let our regret, we can let our shame, what we've done in the past, try and attempt to dictate where we go in our future. In fact, if you were to research some of the top statements that people on their deathbed, what they say, you'll find near the top, in the top three, every single time in these studies, the word regret is that people, they regret the way they lived. They regret the decisions that they've made. And what Paul is trying to get us to see in this passage of Scripture is very simply, we don't have to live in our past. We don't have to let our regret dictate our future. We don't see Paul living in regret, settling there. What we see is that Paul was allowing Christ to use his past so that he could have joy as his focus. I see Paul in this passage of scripture, he's reminding himself of the fa- of the salvation that's found in Christ. Where he says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things. He's stirring up the joy on the inside of him. He's also reminding himself of the grace that's found in Christ. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that is found through faith in Christ. And lastly, he also reminds himself of the sanctification, which just simply means theologically, It means the process by which we become more and more like Christ. But it's one step at a time. In this passage in verse 11, it says this, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead to know that his resurrection and participation in his sufferings were becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. It's going back to this battle of the mind. He's saying whatever happened Whatever's gone on in my past, I'm going to allow Jesus to use that because I know that he has a purpose and a plan for my life. Number two, see God's purpose for my today. Philippians 3 verses 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward In Christ Jesus. And this prize, in classical Greek, it refers to an award in a game, a contest, a competition. And what Paul is recognizing is listen, I don't have to work for my salvation. I live for Christ as a response to the grace and salvation He's given me in my life. And what Paul is really trying to say for our today, please hear this keystone, is that let's get after it and let's live our life for Jesus. Let's give him our everything. You want to keep joy as your focus? Live your life today for Christ. Live your life with some purpose that goes beyond yourself. That doesn't simply focus on you and you alone. It's simply saying this is what we were made to live for. This is the eternal mindset that Paul is referencing and that Christ is desiring that we live When we mention this point, there may be some of us that we just feel a little bit discontent. We're frustrated with our walk with God. We may even not understand completely why. Can I just tell you that that just may be the Spirit of God here this weekend saying, hey, there's more to your life than the way that you've been living. It's time to get your focus in a different place Put your attention on me. Live your life for me. It's time right now for you to give me your all. He's saying, don't be earthly minded and focused on everything with this world, but rather making a decision and deciding today, right now, forever, we're gonna spend our life on the things of God. It's our focus with our purpose that brings us joy. And number three, See God's plan for my tomorrow. See God's plan for my tomorrow. Philippians 3, verse 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Man, a great reminder on how to keep joy as our focus in our life? Yes, it's very simply to make sure that we see God's redemption for my yesterday and that we see God's purpose for my today. But can I also let you know that heaven is in God's plan? That when it comes to our future, C.S. Lewis said this, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. You know, my filter for my past is whatever I've done, it's been redeemed because of Christ. My filter for my today is that I'm going to be living with purpose like I've never lived with before. And my filter for tomorrow is that no matter what happens in this life, heaven is waiting. Paul got this. Paul lived this way. This is why he was unmovable in the face of certain death, regardless of what circumstances were taking place in his life. He understood, I've got a destination that I'm headed to that goes beyond what I'm living through today. In fact, a modern day apologist and theologian passed away this week. His name was Ravi Zacharias. And Paul, when he's writing in this passage of Scripture, he's wanting to bring us to a true reality that this man, Ravi, lived every single day. I've respected this man for a long time, for many years, with his writings, with his sermons. And he brought the Word of God to life so very clearly. In fact, he's a man that I desperately wanted to meet one day. And when he got his cancer diagnosis, they released a report. I think it was a little over a week ago. And within a week from their team updating on his physical condition, within that week he passed and he's in heaven. But he said something this week, and it was actually prior to him passing, but I thought it brought this whole subject of focus and eternity into so much clarity He said this, The story of the gospel is the story of eternal life. My life is unique and will endure eternally in God's presence. I will never be no more. I will never be lost because I will be with the one who saves me. Keystone, how do we keep joy as our focus? Living with the end in mind. Living with an eternal perspective that goes beyond ourselves and our today because that no matter what no matter what we face in our circumstances in our life in the waiting Paul recognized this and we have to as well that as we live with the end in mind we always know and we can be encouraged and remember that one day heaven will be our home Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified each week as soon as a new sermon is available. We would love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Keystone Church or over on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Keystone Church PA. And of course, for more information, you can visit our website at KeystoneChurchPA.com.